of uh, healing and restoration and, and what that means. And really, this, the whole message today is what is healing and restoration ministry? What do we mean by that term? What do we mean by uh, restoration of our soul, spirit, and minds, and bodies? <clears throat> and uh, we're going to be approaching it primarily from a biblical basis. So we're going to be looking at what's the biblical basis for this? Why do we do this? Where is it in Scripture? Um, <clears throat> And the primary verse we're going to be preaching out of is First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. So let's read it in a few different translations because that's what I like to do. And uh, New King James it says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless." at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who, will all, uh, who also will do it. So from the New Living Translation, a little more contemporary, says, Now may the God of peace who makes you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body uh, be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for He who calls you is faithful. And in the, in the message, which is kind of a paraphrase in the uh, common uh, vernacular, it says, May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The One who calls you is completely dependable. If He, if he said He'd do it, He'll do it. Amen? <clears throat> Alright, so we're going to be talking through that verse as the basis for what healing and restoration ministry is. And, and ultimately, healing and restoration um, ministry is the process that God uses to sanctify you completely. That's what, how it's put in the New King James. Or to make you holy in every way. How many want to be holy in every way? Alright? Uh-huh. Just, just think about what that really means. Wow. Or to make you in the message holy and whole. I actually like that. That really brings in both aspects of the idea that we're holy and whole and we're put together, spirit, soul, and body. So from this verse, we're going to kind of focus our attention on or uh, unpack, as you will, uh, four things. One, that God does it. All right. So say God does it. God does it. We're actively involved. Louder, come on, come on, class. <laughs> it's not done. It's not done. <clears throat> and it involves every aspect of our being. <laughs> I wanted to make that shorter, but I couldn't figure out a way. <laughs> so the first thing is, God does it. What is healing, healing and restoration? Well, the first thing you need to know about healing and restoration and sanctification is that God does it. It says, may the God of peace Himself. You know, and there's a few places in Scripture where, where it says, may God Himself, or Jesus Himself, or the Lord Himself. And so there's a an emphasis on the fact that it's a personal activity that God is involved in. It's not something God demands. It's something He accomplishes. Right? Think about that for a minute. Say, I'm going to think about that for a minute. 
<laughs> Actually, I hate it when pastors, when preachers make you repeat stuff. I just, I don't like it personally. <laughs> Which, now people are going to make fun of me for saying that. You make people say it, and then you say you don't like doing it. <laughs> but it is effective sometimes to emphasize a point. I want to emphasize <clears throat> that it's not something he demands. See, most people read scripture about becoming holy, or being sanctified, or being changed, being set free, or stop sinning. And they think, well, it's just something God demands. And God's putting expectation on me. And I was like, hey, you need to stop and retune and realize it's something He accomplishes. This is something God does in you. Doesn't that change everything? Like, wow, oh, this is something God's doing. It's not just something God's telling me to do. You know, think of it as a child if your parent says, go take out the garbage. As opposed to, hey, come with me. I'm going to take out the garbage. I'm going to talk to you while we do it. You know, it's like, oh, it's a whole different experience. It's okay to tell your kids to take out the garbage. <laughs> Show them how to do it first. And then, no. <laughs> That's actually true. God's personally involved in this. And in the, the message, it's actually translated the, the, the name God of Peace. That, that is like a title or a name of God. Um, the message translates that. It doesn't say the God of peace. This is the God who makes everything holy and whole. And so it's actually, the translator, uh, Eugene Peterson, is, uh, is giving us a deeper understanding of the word peace or shalom, uh, is that it means holy and whole. All right? And the peace means holy. So holy means sanctified, set apart, uh, acceptable to God. And whole means whole. It means complete, put back together. And so the God of peace is the God who makes everything whole and whole. And so the process of sanctification, and sanctification is just the old style word. It's not a common word, you know, um, that we use in our day. Um, but that's really what restoration is all about uh, in the ministry of recon- uh, restoration in our lives and healing in our lives, whether it be emotional healing or spiritual healing or physical healing, is the ministry of, of sanctification. It's being made, uh, it's being sanctified. Uh, and, and sanctity or uh, sanctification is, is the same idea of, as holiness, being made holy, set apart. And it's God establishing His peace in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, in our body. How many, you know, how many believe that God is at peace? Yeah. You know what? The things that happen in the world doesn't keep God up all night because he doesn't need to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he doesn't worry about it. How about that? All right. He doesn't need a vacation. All right. Because of the, the stress of, of everything that's going on. He's at peace. All right. And so sanctification is God taking his peace and injecting it into our bodies, into our minds, into our souls, into our spirits. How many want that? Okay? We want God's peace in our, in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. And peace is bringing into unity and uniformity factions that are in conflict. Okay? So, <clears throat> it's taking the different parts of our, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirits, and every other aspect of life, 
any part that's in conflict with another part, God's peace means that he, he resolves that conflict and integrates those different aspects of our being back together. All right. And that's what peace is. It's it's uh, it actually goes the biblical understanding of peace goes beyond the absence of conflict. It actually goes into and, and means a place of prosperity, a place of wholeness, a place of, of having an abundance. And so the biblical understanding of peace is always is never just absence of conflict. It's the place of prosperity, a place of overwhelming joy. And we see this same idea in a couple other places in Scripture. In Colossians, where Paul is writing to another church in Colossae, he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Again, notice it's God's peace. It's something He has. Alright? And so, it's not, hey, you just need to chill out. You just need to relax. Because that's something you do. Alright? It's something that that is God or of God that needs to come and rule or have dominion, kingdom come, will be done, in our hearts, to which also you were called in one body. Uh-huh. And this is, he actually brings it and starts talking about there needs to be peace, peace among the body. That means the other people in the room. <laughs> the other people in your church. The other people in Christian community. And I'm just blown away. 70, I didn't know that it was up to 75. Last year it was only, uh, uh, only. It was over 50 churches and ministries in Kalamazoo area that are joining together. The fact that 75 churches and ministry in our region are joining together for this Jesus Loves Kalamazoo is a, is a demonstration of this being fulfilled in our community. Alright? Listen, if you're wanting, if you're hungering for revival, welcome to it. Alright? Because when the church is working together and the shared purpose of reaching our city, that is revival. God's doing an amazing thing. So God's doing it in our city, but He also wants to do it in our us as individuals in each person in each church and it's all about God's peace being in charge yeah we get another verse that says and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus so I love this one in that and that God's peace is actually at guard it's maintaining safety alright if we allow him over our heart it's our emotions, our well-being, and our mind, our understanding. And we have to realize that our heart and mind needs to be secure behind the, 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 the uh, uh, guarding of God's peace, standing guard protecting us. And that's something that we can experience every day of our life if we allow it. God does it. In First Thessalonians verse 24, it says, he, uh, this is the main text, it says, He who calls you is faithful who will... Uh, also will do it. Our sanctification is based on His faithfulness, not our own. Okay? Our restoration, getting healed up from emotional wounds, getting set free from destructive lifestyle patterns, whether they be thought patterns or uh, actions and habits. All of that is based on God's faithfulness not my faithfulness. I'm not faithful. When you stand me next to Jesus, right? Or the Holy Spirit. 
I need more of his faithfulness. But that's what sanctification is. That's what healing and restoration is. Uh, another place it says this in uh, 1 John. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, so the guilt and the shame and the conviction that you feel after you do something that you know is contrary to God's will, that's appropriate. That's conviction. That's another thing that the Holy Spirit does. We're going to get to that. Um, But uh, we understand that if we confess our sins, it then becomes His faithfulness and His justice that's at stake to cleanse us and to remove. Uh, the, the stain of sin from our lives. So it's not dependent on how faithful you are. It's not dependent upon how just you are. It's actually an evidence or an opportunity for God to demonstrate His faithfulness by cleansing you. Does that change things for you? All right. It radically, you need to radically alter because the enemy comes in and says, see, you sinned again, you're, you're not faithful, you might as well just give up. And then you can go and say, no, this just proves God's Word because it's not my faithfulness that cleanses me, but it's His faithfulness. And so I can go to Jesus and He will be faithful. And the enemy will do this. Oh, I can see that. And run off and scamp and just be upset <clears throat> because you disarm Him. When you understand this. And so that conviction of sin actually strengthens your, your resolve. Alright? Rather than leads you into discouragement. And once you just change that dynamic, you actually just don't have a problem with sin anymore. Because the enemy stops tempting you. Because every time you sin, you get stronger. Are you hearing me? It's, this works. It worked in my life. <laughs> okay. Alright, we'll move on. <laughs> Alright, second point. So God does it. Second point is worse actively involved. Just because God doesn't, doesn't, does it does not mean that we just can take a vacation. All right? It doesn't mean that we're not called to something. In fact, we're to be active. And so we look at the context of this verse. In other words, let's read the verses that lead up to the verse that we're expounding on. And we're going to start in verse 14. So Paul starts by saying, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Wow. He doesn't say, don't worry about unruly, being unruly. He actually says, warn them. Confront them. Okay? Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for others. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast uh, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And so in these preceding verses, Paul is giving a whole bunch of commands about what not to do and what to do. All right? And then it goes on to the verse that uh, um, uh, says that it's God uh, who sanctifies us completely. And so just because God's at work doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. We actually uh, cooperate or participate with God, I, miss, I didn't. 
Another place we see the same idea is in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, so Paul's talking about the same idea, but instead of writing to the church in Thessalonica, to a congregation there, he's writing to the church in uh, Philippi, another congregation, but he's talking about the same idea. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Wow. Work out your own salvation? This is Paul who wrote that, that you know, grace is a gift. We're saved by grace. You know, uh, and it's a gift. But here he says, work it out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you need to be serious about this, folks. But then he goes on and says, for it's God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. And I love this verse because it's the perfect balance uh, that we are called to work out uh, our salvation, but it reminds us that God's working in us. Sanctification is something that we work together with God to accomplish in our lives. We work out what God is working in. So God is working in us, and then, and then we're to, from it being in us, find ways to demonstrate that, to live it out. God works in, we work out. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> without God, it would be impossible. In other words, uh, we need to be actively involved doesn't mean that we can do it without God. And this is the whole issue that... Um, you know, uh, works don't lead to salvation in any way because if it wasn't for Jesus' death on the cross, no matter how many good works you did, you would never be able to justify uh, the sins that you've already committed, right? And all the sins that we commit that we don't even know. Um, it would be impossible. But having a part in the process doesn't diminish the sovereignty, the uh, the rule of God in in our lives in any way, nor does it diminish the sufficiency of the cross. And for some of you, those words mean a lot, because some people have a very uh, detailed understanding of the phrases uh, sovereignty of God and sufficiency of the cross. And so I'm just kind of bouncing on them. For others of you, you may never have heard those terms before, but the tr- the, what I'm pointing out is that <clears throat> By having an active role, we are participating with God's sovereignty, His rule, His reign, His authority, His ability to uh, be in charge of every aspect of, of the universe at the same time, as well as granting us a role in that activity. All right? And the sufficiency of the cross, that Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate payment. If it wasn't for Jesus' death on the cross, nothing we did would make any difference. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, we're called to do things different. Alright? Amen? So sanctification... Am I going too fast? No. Am I going too slow? No. Is it too cold in here? (laughs) It is. The air conditioners are supposed to be on a timer and they're supposed to be off. So we're going to have to reset the timer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sanctification is applying the cross to specific issues in our lives. It's taking what Jesus accomplished already in a finished uh, way and, and implementing it into the specific issues of our lives. 
Uh, and so what it looks like, and I'm not going to talk a lot about what it looks like in our lives, but it, it looks like prayer ministry. And, and that's, that's what most people think of when we hear re- healing and restoration um, is counseling. And we prefer the term prayer ministry because we're not licensed counselors. Counselors uh, function in a different way. I believe in counseling and therapy. It's a good thing. Um, and we do some of that. But most uh, healing and restoration occurs in the context of prayer ministry where you, with a prayer counselor, uh, identify issues and then actually pray. And so counseling or therapists just get together and talk about it. And maybe give you some ideas, or, or really a good therapist will help you discover some ideas. All right? But a prayer minister is go, okay, this is the issue is unforgiveness of your parents, and that you, you still have uh, issues with your mother being controlling. Okay, let's pray about that. And then you spend a half hour praying about it. That's how we do healing restoration, okay? Uh, <clears throat> because it's God who does the healing. All right, And so, it's not just us figuring it out and finding a good strategy. And those are good. There's good strategies. But it's going to God and say, God, heal me. I repent of this. I, I, I confess it. You know? And we, we activate the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But there's other things. Healing weeks, and we encourage actually everyone to do this uh, regularly if possible, is to go away. Go away. Please. No. <laughs> just for... A week. Actually, it's only five days. Uh, some places do it in three days. Uh, and so you go somewhere where you don't have the distractions of normal life. And you can focus all day just on, on getting your stuff uh, ministered to. And there's lots of places that do it. Some places are inexpensive, but most places are kind of expensive, but not as ex- expensive as a, a vac- most vacations. And so, yeah, it might cost a couple thousand dollars, but it's worth it. Um, there's also books that you can read. Lots and lots of books. Classes and seminars. We're doing them all the time. There's, they're, they're offered all over the place. There's a place in Grand Rapids that does classes and seminars on this all the time. Um, but leading yourself is really what's, what all of the classes and the conferences and even the healing weeks and the prayer ministry is all to equip you to lead yourself in healing. Right? You need to learn how to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and we just give you the tools. Oh, I'm on number two, and i got to get through four. All right, and diligently seeking after it. <clears throat> okay, number three, there it is. It's not done. Well, I thought it was finished on the cross. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> For sanctification was finished... Why is so much, you you read, you take a highlighter and read through the New Testament, the epistles, and highlight how much of it is talking about how to live holy. What blew me away is is, uh, just uh, this year, I realized that evangelism is hardly mentioned in the epistles. You check it out. Go through and highlight how many verses are talking about speaking the gospel to unchurched people. Very few. There's a few places. Now, I'm not saying that's not important. That's why we're here, okay? Is to reach the world, right? <clears throat> but look at how much of the epistles talk about evangelism, and you'll find there's only a couple places. It's not all about worship either. In fact, there's not a single worship service described in the New Testament. One place it says Jesus and his disciples went out and sung hymns, you know? So they were out there saying, A mighty fortress is our God. No. <laughs> you know why they weren't singing that? 
<laughs> Who wrote it? Martin Luther. There you go, my wife. You're not supposed to answer. I'm supposed to test other people. <laughs> He's always the, the, the smart kid in the front of the class. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having fun. I'm in a t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> It's not about Jesus' return. Okay, so Jesus' return is mentioned, and, you know, Revelation, most people think, is all about Jesus' return. I actually don't think it's all about Jesus' return. It's about Jesus' return, but it's about a lot more than that. Um, It's a story of Jesus and how that story transforms lives. That's what the whole New Testament is about. The story of Jesus, which is the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and how that story transforms life, which is Acts and all the epistles. All right? <clears throat> it says in verse 24 of the section of Scripture we're talking about, it says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So Paul is assuring the Thessalonians, the church he's writing to, that God will make this happen, and, and that he's able to finish what he started. And so if they, being Christians, were already completely sanctified, then this verse means nothing. All right? But he's assuring them, hey, God's not going to give up. Don't be confident. It's based on God's faithfulness. He's going to work this out. And Philippians, again, talking on the same idea, being confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, or in the New Living Translation, and I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue, continue His work, His work, until it is finally finished. When is it finally finished? On the day when Christ Jesus returns. Alright? That's when it ends. Sanctification is a work that continues. It's finished on the day when Christ returns. Now let me talk, let me expand a little bit on this because there's a whole bunch of confusion in our day about this idea. And I wish I could just preach the whole message or a whole series or a whole year on this topic. I'm only going to preach a few minutes. Atonement was finished on the cross at Christ's first coming. But sanctification and the outworking of regeneration will be finished when Jesus returned. Okay? We're to be trans- we are to be, right now, right here, present tense, okay, in one sense, past tense, past tense, not only when you accepted Jesus, excuse me, but actually, when Jesus died on the cross, when the price was paid, past tense, uh, that's when transma- transformation happened. The ultimately and complete renewal will be seen when Jesus returns and every person is going to be given a new incorruptible body. Alright? Uh, oh, I'd like, to just, I'd like to keep talking on this. So, <clears throat> but I won't. I'll, just, I'll keep talking on this. <laughs> John 19.13. John says it in another way. Uh, or this is uh, quoting what Jesus said when he was on the cross. He was hanging. Remember the story? He was crucified. He was hanging on the cross. And then those famous words, "It is finished." And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And so he died on the cross. And so it was. It was finished. All right. So what Jesus came to do was finished. But the work of the Holy Spirit was yet to begin. All right. And Jesus said this. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. 
Because if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal and to convince, convict us of sin, us and the whole world, of sin, of righteousness. This is wrong, this is right, and this and judgment to come. And this is the consequence. This is why we want to be right and not wrong. Because there's judgment. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that begins began, that era began after Jesus died and was ascended and when the Holy Spirit was poured out. <clears throat> now, one other scripture, Romans 6. Oh, says, now you have been set free from sin. Alright, now listen to this. Present tense. Now. What? You've been set free from sin. I know you know the answers. Now. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> A kindred spirit. <laughs> now, when? Now. What sin? So, do you have any excuse for continuing sinning? None whatsoever. You've been set free from all sin. Past tense. Past tense. All right? And have become slaves to God. But then he goes, the fruit you get, oh, the fruit from that freedom, the fruit is what grows out of the truth that you've, set, you've been set free, is sanctification. Alright? And its end, the end result of being fully sanctified is this eternal life that we actually step into when Jesus returns and we have a new body that will last eternally. And so, um, the idea of complete and total freedom from sin, the effects of sin, the power of sin, the consequences of sin, and the, the penalty of sin is complete. It's done. It's past tense. We step into that experience when we enter into relationship with God through faith in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confessing Faith. I believe this. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Wow, we step into that truth. But the fruit of that is sanctification, which is identifying, oh gosh, I still have an issue with my mom that I have to forgive. Or my dad. And he's been dead for 15 years. How can I forgive my dad? He's dead. Well, it's not about your dad. It's about you. You get angry at your kids because your dad got angry at you. Oh. How can I stop doing that? I don't want to be like my dad. Well, forgive him. Oh. Wow. So you're taking what was accomplished at the cross and bringing it into an issue that you're dealing with today. Alright? It's not like you're getting forgiveness so that you lose your name and become one with Christ. Alright. Yeah. All right. Let's just let's uh, let's just skip all that. It involves every aspect of your being. There's no part that gets left out. There's no because if it gets left out, then it doesn't get to heaven, and you show up with only part. <laughs> what good is partial uh, sanctification? <laughs> but Jesus said, "What good is it if you plug out your eye?" You know. Uh, what, I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, pluck it out. It's better to enter into eternal life. Yeah. Uh, don't lose out. God intends to redeem and restore every aspect of you. That's where it talks about our whole body, soul, and spirit. 
You know, what good is a, a renewed car if the engine doesn't work? It, it may be pretty, but it's not functional. Or, you know, these zombie movies, there's bodies with life, but no soul, right? And that's not what salvation is. That's not what... God wants to renew the whole part of us, but also take every part of us and not only make us at peace with Him, but make every part fit together properly so that we're at peace with ourselves. You know. So how does this work? Well, that's exactly what we're going to discuss over the next of the course of the next 12 weeks. Aaron's going to come up and close us. Uh, close us. Thank you very much. Welcome, him. Amen. Good word. I have always been for been for healing and restoration. I have not always been for healing and restoration in my own life. <laughs> right. Um, I've seen the, the, the results of it. I've seen the power of it. Uh, I've seen the way God has moved in my friends' lives through this ministry. And it's been great, but uh, I was kind of like, that's great for them, 